You're listening to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm your host, three-time Olympian and motivational speaker, Leah Amico. On this show, we're going to dig deep to unlock what it actually takes to build a foundation for greatness. If you're an ambitious person with big vision, but you feel like fear is holding you back, get ready for some major breakthroughs. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Gold Standard Podcast. And throughout this podcast, we have shared interviews with athletes who have just reached the pinnacle of what sports they compete in. But I'm very excited today to have somebody with us who is kind of behind the scenes, the one who helps athletes get to that spot and to be able to reach their full potential. And my guest today is a performance coach, and she was the first female NHL skating coach back in the 90s. The first one in the league and has just used that to go on and to make a difference. I'm excited for her to share her story because she is impacting life. She's been to different Olympics. She's been a part of um, just multiple Winter Olympic Games, World Championships and Grand Prix events. So we're going to hear more about it. But welcome to the show, Stephanie Hanlon. Thank you so much, Leah. It's great to be here. So I talk about you being a performance coach. Tell me, were you an athlete when you were growing up? I was. I was an athlete. I competed in several sports, never made it to the national level, yes, but never made it to the podium at Olympics or whatever. It was never really my drive. I always knew that I wanted to support athletes. So in order to have credibility, I wanted to be the best that I could be. And I ended up being quite... um, gifted in, in several sports, but my true calling was coaching. And I knew it from a very young age. See, I love that because it's not just people who have been athletes themselves, but like you just mentioned, I, I believe coaching is a calling and I believe the best coaches, they live out that calling with such a passion that it's, it's unmatched. So tell me a little bit about how you became the NHL skating coach. Well, that's a funny story. I was actually just teaching skating and thinking I was going to just teach skating and sell my time by the hour for the rest of my life, like all other skating coaches. And I ended up having a, a, an injury. I was ski racing and blew my knee apart and had to have reconstruction on my ACL and my MCL. And that shut me down for a good eight weeks. Well, seven, because I lied to my doctor to get the cast off, but uh, a good eight weeks <laughs> shut me down. And I realized that I had more to do in sport. And it wasn't just about teaching skating. And I was really only good at two things. One was skating and the other was talking. So I thought, how do I you know, bring those two things together and bring my gift to the world, not being an expert in many things, certainly not interested in psychology or psychiatry, but I knew there was something there. So one thing led to another and I was in physiotherapy at the University of Alberta and saw a posting for the Edmonton Oilers looking for an athletic therapist. And that's what I had trained in at university was uh, ATC, athletic training and conditioning with a minor in coaching. So I went into and took the the notice right off the wall on my crutches and crutched down the stairs and spent the next two to three weeks putting my CV together and submitted it to the Edmonton Oilers. And because I had a skating background and I was also coaching uh, what they call power skating at the time at some of the best hockey schools in North America, uh, they took a look at my resume and then they saw that I had the athletic training background. They saw that I had the power skating background. They put that together. But what they didn't know was that what I was really interested was in the emotional intellectual development of athletes. So that's how I was able to get that job. I had three interviews and the last one was with this amazing general manager, Glenn Sather, uh, who eventually hired me and threw me into the lion's den. And nine years later, I was I was still there. 
Well, and that's what I think is interesting. So obviously you're driven, you're taking advantage of opportunities you see before you and going after those goals, something that interested you, you took that call and went in and again, presented yourself and that door opened. So were they welcoming to you? Like, okay, here, do what you want to do. Did you have to jump through hoops? What did that look like? Well, I don't know if they wanted me, but one of the last things Glenn Sather said before he did open the door to the dressing room was when I said, thank you for the job. He goes, oh, no. You must be mistaken. There's no job here. It's the players that are going to keep you. And I was like, whoa, what does that even mean? So I realized back then is that I wasn't looking for a date. You know, I wasn't looking to, you know, hang out with guys. I was never wanting to be one of the boys. I just wanted to do what I love to do. And I think that came across to the players is they didn't feel threatened. They didn't ever treat me like a woman. They never treated me with disrespect. How I knew I was accepted was my first training camp is that I went to go put my skates on after I'd done what I called hockey stretching, which was basically a Pilates session before they went on the ice, but I couldn't call it that. Um, I went to put my skates on and there was shaving cream inside my skates. So that was the first thing I knew that they'd accepted me. And then from there on, I had to prove myself daily. You know, they didn't have a track suit for the first couple of years. I ended up in men's extra large track suits and gloves that didn't fit and sticks that were way too long. And, but you know what, my husband owned a skate store. So my skates were pristine. My blades were pristine. So the things that I needed to do my job were there. The rest was just accoutrement. I didn't need it. It was just whatever. If I wore my own track suit, no big deal. And I think because I didn't have that expectation to be a part of the team or one of the guys is that they kept accepting me and I kept doors kept opening. And next thing I know, I'm in the minors with the with our minor league team that I'm working with the sports psychologist and I'm working with the nutritionist. And next thing you know, I'm working on re-education after injury with the physios. Like it just one thing led to another because I didn't push myself into that environment. I, I actually was pulled into it. Yeah, I love that. I agree. I would think situations I've been in, it's the same. Like when you just really focus on being your best at what you're doing, other doors open up. People say, wait, I, I need some of that. Right? I want to hear more. I want to learn more. So for you personally, during that time, because in a sense, you were kind of paving the way you were, you were kind of forging a new path. How were you growing? How did you keep up with, okay, I got to keep, you know, learning and growing so that I can keep passing that on. Well, the thing is, there was no performance coaching or performance psychology back then. And there was nobody to teach me or mentor me in power skating. Most of the people that were teaching at that level were very... um not self-centered, but they weren't, they weren't up to sharing. And for me, it's about if we're going to get anywhere in this world, ladies, we got to work together. (laughs) We got to collaborate. And there just wasn't that mindset back then. So I said, you know what, that's fine. That's going to be the first thing I do is that if I ever make it anywhere, quote unquote, then I'm going to be a leader. I'm going to be a trailblazer and I'm going to bring other people, men, women, children, it doesn't really matter, whatever sport. And I'm going to bring them into this environment that I call the champion's journey to give them the opportunity. So that was the first thing. The next thing was to make sure that I was always staying true to my values. And if by my values was one of my biggest values is learning and growing. And if I'm not growing, I'm moving backwards and I know how how quickly the world works. You know this to be a fact, Leah, you know, you finish a quad and it's over. You look back and go, what could I have done differently? Well, you can't could have, should have, would have done something differently. All we have is this moment. So as I'm coaching and as I'm learning, I applied those things to myself. That's, I think, what really kept me um, on the straight and narrow and really aligned with my values and my vision to be an Olympian. I always, I knew I wasn't get, going to get there as an athlete. And I certainly didn't know how I was going to get there as a coach, but I found a niche for myself. And as long as I stayed true to myself, true to my values, and kept growing and learning and not shutting down and ever resting on my laurels, I knew I would get there. 
I think those are one of the the values of my coach, my Olympic coach. He was my college coach and won many national championships together. But it was this idea that when I saw him, he would go and listen to other people and he'd come and he'd try some new things. <laughs> and you're thinking, man, you're like reaching the pinnacle already, but he just never stopped. And for me as an athlete, I saw the importance of that retiring at age 29 and feeling like I still could have been better. But you're right. Like that's why I was able to go to more than one Olympics. You, you never arrive. And I think people who are great at whatever they do, it's like companies, right? They keep growing. If they're successful, you don't stop. It's like, what, what can I do to keep improving? So I absolutely love that. Um, did you have people in your life that were kind of the supporters behind you that helped make that, make it happen? Yeah. My parents were my biggest fan and my brother, um, my dad, when I was 15 years old, we were sitting watching the Edmonton Oilers win a Stanley cup in my hometown of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And I remember looking up at him, I'm 15, I'm still in high school. I'm a competitive figure skater, competitive softball player, played the piano. I was a golfer. I looked at him and I said, dad, I'm going to be in the NHL one day. And he looked at me and, and right, you know, in that moment, he could have said, what? You're a girl. What are you talking about? Get a better dream. And he just looked at me and he paused. And I know he took a breath and he goes, good for you, honey. Good for you. And then from then on, I believed I could do anything. And I didn't know back then, like one thing led to another. And I ended up going to um, my brother was in drafted in the Western Hockey League. And I ended up going to his training camp and realizing that these guys couldn't skate. They couldn't skate. They were good hockey players and they were big. My brother was the best skater with the best shot. And I'm like, oh, there's a niche here. So even then I knew something was different about me. I was seeing the sport differently. I was seeing skating differently. You don't ever want to go to a game with me or watch a competitive uh, event because I'm looking at the biomechanics. I'm looking at the eye contact. I'm looking at body language. (laughs) I'm not watching the sport. I don't enjoy the sport the same way other people do. And I thought I was such a nut bar because of that. But the truth is I was just seeing things differently in my values. Wow. I absolutely love that. And, you know, no, a couple of things. Number one, you're a softball player. I knew I liked you from the moment I started talking to you. There it is, that connection. But then also that is such a big piece. I feel like people that I've talked to of like seeing and knowing like, I'm going to be there. Like, there's just something special about that. And that's where we're going to talk a little bit more, but you know, those, that it doesn't matter how talented they are. If they think I can't do it, like they never will. Right. That's such a big, important piece. And for me as an Olympian, that's what happened to me. Like I just, all of a sudden we won nationals at 14 years old. And then was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to college. Like I'm going to get a scholarship. Like it's, there's just something that's a, a seed, a dream that's planted. Tell me, um, about your first Olympic experience. You said that's something that you wanted to do and to be able to do, you know, be that coach in that arena and environment. What was that like for you? Well, it was a dream come true. Yeah, I mean, it was either an Olympian or Miss Canada and Miss Canada wasn't really going to be my thing. So, <laughs> uh, so I thought, well, you know, how can I streamline that goal and and really being at the best, uh, being with the best of the best. When I was trying to retire from the NHL, I realized that I wasn't done with sport. I, I tried to work in the world of, of just the everyday athlete and people and, and trying to use the qualities of sport, but it didn't resonate back then at, at the way that it does today. So I thought, okay, well, I got to find a new way. So I started training as a personal performance coach, a life coach, et cetera. And again, back in the nineties, nobody knew what that was, but one thing led to another. And I started working with some young athletes who were transitioning out of sport. And I'd heard that many sport organizations have people, sports psychologists, et cetera, or people that are helping athletes transition. 
but I wasn't seeing it. I was seeing that they were there. They were positions on the board or in the NGO or the NSF or something, but it was never, nobody ever came and did it. So one thing led to another and a young athlete came across my my doorway one day and said, I'm done. And I want to go into real estate. And my husband and I were investing in real estate. So, ah, there's my, there's my in, you know? So one thing led to another again, and I started working with him and he had retired, but, but how the world works, of course, in 2002 in Nagano, the Olympics uh, were, had been in Salt Lake city and a couple of athletes had retired. So he was fifth in Canada at the time, but because the top three guys retired, he ended up getting invited to worlds and had no coach. So he invited me and the Skate Canada, the the sport governing body agreed. And the only reason they agreed is because people on the board had knew, had known me from my spot, my power skating years, because I had developed and volunteered, had done a lot at the national level for young hockey players. So they said, sure, you can take Stephanie Hanlon. We know her. So they accredited me as a chaperone. And when you know, it was, I had to sit, I couldn't go downstairs. I couldn't go beside the boards. I actually couldn't stay in the, in the official hotel, et cetera, but I didn't care, but he's the one that opened the door for me. And then I ended up speaking at a national team meeting in Victoria, BC with all of the figure skating disciplines. And I was just thrilled. One thing was that I gave myself permission to not be an expert. And when I walked into that door and I didn't know anything, I, yes, I was a singles figure skater, but I didn't know anything really about ice dance or pairs or, or what was going on at that level. So I was, I was the keynote speaker for the entire weekend. And out of that weekend, the Canadian champion ice dancers hired me as their performance coach. And they said to me, will you mentor us to the Olympics in Torino in 2006? And I went, yes. What does that mean? I'm not a coach. I'm not accredited. I don't have any credibility. What, what do you mean you want me to mentor you? But they had spent the two and a half days listening to me going, oh, this isn't just about skating around in circles and lifting and jumping. There's way more to this. And what I had done was created a, um, a program called Skating Inside Out. And it was about really allowing athletes to connect to who they're being in that moment so that they could see the future because many athletes are superstitious. They don't want to talk about life after sport, but I found a way to weave it into the conversation where they started saying, oh, here we go. There's somebody that looks at us as human beings, not just as people, not just as athletes, but as human beings with a life journey and goals and expectations and a vision for their life. So they hired me in 2002. It was in 2006 that I entered my first Olympic Games with them as the performance coach for Canada. And it was probably one of the most impactful moments of my life. Um, They were destined to be on the podium. And what happened was she had a a tragic fall where she almost broke her hips. Had she been a pound and a half heavier, when she hit the ice, her hip would have broken. And so they ended up withdrawing after the short program. And we didn't, there's a big W beside their name, which was probably one of the most important turning points, not just in their career, but in my career. Because when something becomes unfinished and undone, it either creates a hunger and a drive and a desire, or you shut down. And for us, it created a hunger and that was 2006 and I've been now to three Olympic games with them as co-coach and we're just about to start my fourth in Milano in 2026. Wow that is absolutely amazing and as I listen to you I mean I just I, I feel and remember the experiences I had and as an athlete being able to fulfill my potential with coaches who poured into us 
but saw us as people and cared about us and and had fun with us. And in the midst of right going after these really big dreams and a lot of pressure and needing to perform, it, it's like that balance of all of it and and individually, like knowing different people. Is that something that you've noticed? Like you you have to kind of approach people differently depending on what makes them tick? Of course, what's so great about what I've learned over the last almost 30 years in this sport or in all of sport is that there is no one program. There's a program for each person. Each person is going to develop and tell me who they are in the in the in the context of their own life. I can't coach everybody the same way. And when people ask me for my program, I'm going, well, I need to get to know you because there is no program. There's your program. I'm going to pull it out of you based on the questions I ask, based on your experience, your goals, your dreams, your desire, your history, your expectations of yourself and others, how you want to be coached. Are you a visual learner, auditory learner? Are you kinesthetic? Do you, are you all three? Are you auditory digital? How do I communicate with you? And how do I make sure I create um, boundaries for you and, and challenge and create enough adversity for you in our work that you're not afraid, you know, when it comes to those moments where you have to overcome adversity to keep yourself going when it comes to the journey to the podium. Wow. I love that. Yes, I can see right there. I can see why you've been successful. And again, when people feel listened to and heard and able to be real and transparent, then they just, they can go forward and compete in freedom. So many athletes do not reach their full potential because they aren't competing in freedom, right? There's, there are things that are holding them back. Okay. So you, you have traveled the world. You have reached the pinnacle as a performance coach, working with some of the best athletes in the entire world. Um, what would you say separates an, a young athlete like Coco Goff, who just won and, mm-hmm. and was on you know the world stage for tennis. And she's just a bright young star up and coming. What would separate her from others her age? Because she is so young, only 19 years old. Incredible. You know, I I look at that and I'm fascinated by her. I'm looking at some of the young athletes in the world that I've been in and they didn't have that same spark or that same fire. I'm wondering, I would love to talk to her and say, okay, tell me about your family life. Tell me about the environment you grew up in. Tell me about who you surround yourself with. And that to me is what it is, is that for me, I use the acronym ICE logically it's intention context and environment so i would love to know when she knew she was going to be a champion when she knew just like you you have that moment just like me we had that moment and i just hung on to it and what's the context who does she have to become in order to be that and who does she have to have and the e is in her environment you know in her environment so Anyway, yeah, that's what I look at her and I go, if if I could give anything to any athlete, and I've been through it a couple of times with in gym with some gymnasts and some bigger skaters, is they didn't have that. And they were competing, in my opinion, for all the wrong reasons. And maybe they got an outcome or a gold medal, but who did they have to become? What did they have to give up? I don't believe there's a sacrifice in sport. I believe there's choices. And if you see this as a sacrifice, then you're not going to be able to heal and do what you need to do as you transition yourself from being a professional or a champion athlete into life after. So I would love to be able to talk to her about that and, and, you know, get the differentiation around what makes her different. I think it's ice. I think it's an intention, context and environment. Yeah, I like that. I I was coaching high school softball one year and there was a 
a young softball player we were playing against and this girl had just a fire and it was funny because my assistant coach and he said, um, you know, oh man, I'd love to talk to her parents. And I remember like thinking like, okay, I'm sure there's something there with some support, but like, I think that's from within (laughs) and it's probably a little bit of both, but like fire, I just feel like, and drive and passion it, it kind of has to come from within it, it. You can tell people about it and maybe allow them to feel comfortable to express it. However, they, they are led to express it. But I just really believe when I saw her that that comes from within. Okay. Who, who was the best athlete you have ever worked with and, and why, what made them that? Is there anybody that stands out above the rest? They're all so different. You know, we can look at their achievements and their results and their gold medals. I was privileged to work with the French uh, ice dance champions who were five-time world champions, I think seven-time European champions. They have an Olympic gold medal and an Olympic silver medal. So in that regard, in the results, I would say the work that they did to have those results and the combination of who they had to become and the partnership and the drive and the desire and the adversity they overcame. That's Gabriella Papadakis and Guillaume Cizerone. Uh, They just recently retired and do, are doing shows all over the world. So to me, though, that would be a pinnacle. They have to deal with partnership, the the the, the dynamic between the masculine and the, and the feminine energies. They have to deal with performance and to be the strongest athletes they can be. Because in ice dance, you're, you're judged on your, yes, your performance, but on these really small, particular movements and edges on the ice. I mean, I don't know a hockey player that could do any of that stuff. I mean, I see it and I'm amazed by it. Then they have to perform. Then they have to look amazing. Then they have to be willing to be judged. Think about that. In judge sports, you're judged for the aesthetic. You're judged for your power, your strength, your look, um, your persona. And now, of course, social media, your presence, all of that stuff. So I think, you know, they're, figure skating and ice dance is not in the world stage <laughs> as much as it should be because it is a sport, a sport and an art. And I really believe it encompasses so many values and and qualities that we as human beings seek to be the best, to be artistic, to be creative, yet to be strong and to be connected and to be intimate. So in my mind, they encompass that entire package. Wow, that that is beautiful. That says a lot about what they do. And you're right. I mean, I'm thinking about that as a an athlete where it really is results driven. Like, right, there's there's an umpire calling strikes and balls, but they're not judging me for what I looked like on that pitch. <laughs> I could be I could be in big trouble if that was happening. So that is very powerful. And so much goes into that. And I could see why even more so you have to be so strong mentally and such a good place and so just in tune with who you are and what you want and what you're trying to accomplish. Um, Okay. So I'm going to ask you right now, this is all about the gold standard, right? Being the best you've you've worked with athletes being their best and, and the acronym gold that stands for G stands for goal, like goal setting and knowing what you want to do. You mentioned that I'm going to be in the NHL, right? And eventually it actually happened. So knowing what you want, O is overcoming obstacles that, you know, piece of perseverance. L is that leadership mentors and, you know, really like learning and being willing to grow. And then the last thing day is D is the dedication and drive. And so that is, you know, what, what you're talking about, right? It, it's all those components that work together. So if you were to say, and I know this is hard it, and, and it's hard to break it down, but the three best performance tips that you have for athletes that really can empower them and help them just maybe to simplify down to three main things, what would you say that is? Oh boy, three, hey? 
For me, the first one, it's going to seem odd, but organization, find a way to be organized in the things that matter to you. Not that your sock drawer is organized or that you get all your Christmas cards out at the same, you know, at the right time, not that, but what matters to you? You know, what area of life are you organized in right now? If you're competing, probably physical. And what work do you need to do intellectually and emotionally? Are you organized in your equipment? Are you organized in your environment? When people ask you to be there, are you on time? Are you looked after in that regard where you know how to get support and be supported and be support and coachable? The second one would be understanding that excellence and performance comes from states of deep relaxation, deep, deep relaxation. In order to be excellent, there's no more. I mean, you can get to a certain state and you know this as an Olympian, but then there's a place where you have to dial it down and reset and recharge. And when you can get to the state of performance where you are in complete physiological relaxation and can be mentally present, your physical body just kicks in and trust the training. That's the third one. Trust your training. If you're not in an environment where you're being trained holistically, get out. Because if you can't trust your training when you get to competition, under stress, that's what comes out. So when you have the, I call it the competition energy, some people call it nerves, competition energy and excitement, what happens? The adrenaline kicks in, you start to perform and you rely on your training. So if your training isn't what it needs to be and you're not training in the, the mindset that you want to take forward, that's what's going to show up. So organization, deep relaxation and trust your training. Wow, that is so good. Our coach, you know, but he would try to put us in those situations and practice as much as possible. He wanted us to feel like practice was fast and the game was slow because for most people in our sport, you practice at a certain speed and then the game is very quick, right? And so he wanted those pressure moments. He wanted kind of that type of stress, but in a good way of how you're learning to deal with it. And then in the game, it's almost like, oh, I've been here, right? Or that idea of like, per, you know, play like it's practice and and practice like it's a game or, you know, and, and so being able to do that, I think that's, that's important. And I think that organization piece sometimes gets overlooked because, you know, it's like, well, that's, you know, who cares what that looks like, but it's like, no, 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 that plays into that because it's all part of the process. So really, really good tips. Um, do you have any examples of a breakthrough that maybe you've helped an athlete to achieve and you kind of saw this, like you mentioned about the hunger when obviously something wasn't completed and, and that drove somebody, but just that kind of maybe aha moment or situation that you're just like, as a coach, like, yes, like this is, I know, you know why you're there, but now they, they see it even bigger. Well, funny story is that I did work with a team, uh, U.S. champions, Hubble Donahue and Ice Dance, and they were Olympic bronze medalists in 2022 and silver in the team um, event. Beautiful team. They came to us in Montreal. I am part owner of a Ice Academy in Montreal, and, which is an Ice Dance Academy that trains the best in the world. And they showed up and they didn't have the best reputation. For some reason, when under stress, they would continually fall. And there would be these moments and times where it's just magical and you're watching them and drawn right into their performance. And then, boom, one of them would fall or catch an edge. And it was just dramatic. And it was just, it was throw off the entire energy. And the, the Federation couldn't figure it out. U.S. figure skating couldn't figure it out. The OC couldn't figure about nothing nobody and one day we were chatting and I said you know is there a reason that you know you're you're falling in these particular situations I said let's do some visualization let's let's give it a try and see see what happens and sure enough we'd be I'd be talking to them they were doing a, a closed eye process you know listening to the music in their headphones and and all of a sudden one of them stopped and the man looked up to me and Zachary said oh I just fell 
I went, what? He goes, I just fell. I go, in your visualization? I go, you know, that's your visualization, right? And he's like, but I always fall there. I always catch an edge or I get too excited right at the end and I, and I lose an edge or I went, oh, and I got it. Is that's what he was practicing. So he was repeating the same pattern. It was a huge breakthrough for both of them. They went from six in the world, launching up to second in the world within two or I think three seasons and end up going from fourth in the world at, at the Olympic games to third. And, and in the ice dance is a hierarchy and it, it, nobody kind of breaks the hierarchy. It's like, no, it doesn't happen, but they broke the hierarchy. And the reason I think that's such a funny story is that one about a year ago, I get interviewed on one of the skating blogs or somebody, no, I wasn't interviewed. A coach colleague of mine was interviewed and she called me and said, we, I just got interviewed on the skating blog and they wanted to know what it is that you did to make sure that Hubble Donahue stopped falling in events. And I'm like, I didn't do anything. I just was able to identify what they were doing to make sure, because they were calling me a witch and they were calling me that I had all these special powers and I was doing weird things, you know, and, and kind of playing with their head. I'm like, no, I'm a performance psychologist. I don't, I don't do anything other than that, but I'm also there to identify what it is that they're doing that gets in their way. But to be able to identify in that moment that he was falling in his visualizations was, I mean, it was a huge breakthrough for them. And for me. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah to experience them. I mean, that's, that is such a big deal when you're saying that. And, and you're right. I think you take past experiences and the second that all of a sudden can be come in your mind and that's what you expect to happen, right? It's like you said, we, you know, you expect to be in the NHL. I expected to be on the Olympic team and I expected to win gold medals. But if like, you're like, oh, well, we always get beat there. I'm just expecting, I'm hoping that I can at least make a podium. I said, you you won't get past that, that spot of uh, that area of belief. So, wow, that is really, really cool. I, everything you're talking about, I'm like, oh my gosh, you could work with the softball players. You, <laughs> I can see. Now, how did that work to where you're, you know, working with these athletes from around the world, are they seeking you out because they've seen success of, you know, the athletes from France, you mentioned USA, like, are they just hearing about what you've done? Well, no, actually the couple I told you that I went to the Torino Olympics with Mary France Dubray and Patrice Lausanne uh, and Roman Agenauer and myself own a company called Ice Academy Montreal. And what we do is we built this because a lot of athletes had to leave their own countries to train and to get the coaching that they needed to be the best in the world. So, the idea was to build a, a school that, you know, in Canada, that people didn't have to leave and train in other countries. Well, it kind of worked in reverse because people started coming to the school because of the coaching and the environment. And we are considered the first holistic environment, I believe, in performance sport. And we're committed to their on ice, off ice um uh, intellectual, emotional development, etc. So one thing leads to another when it comes to winning, of course, winning creates winning. And we realized at the time that if you want to be the best in the world, you have to train with the best in the world. So we have China, Japan, um, we had um, Azerbaijan, we had Canada, US, um, every country in the world except Russia, unfortunately, has trained, almost trained in our school. And we've had that opportunity to work with them. And I've had the opportunity to, to work with the skaters in the context of the environment so that they don't have to come to me or they don't have to seek me out personally. If I'm working with another sport or other uh, athletes from in other, um, whether it's summer Olympic games, winters, uh, team sport, individual sports, they seek me out. They find me separately from that. But in the world of ice dance, we've created that environment. So they're competing against each other. So if you really want to be the best in the world, you want to 
compete and push yourself against the best in the world. And in figure skating, that just doesn't happen because coaches are very singular minded. They think very much about my skater. I don't look that that way. I, nobody's my athlete. I, I don't look at it that way, but they come into the school in the environment. We're a space where they come through to get their dreams met. We're hundred percent accountable to helping them get there. That's what they pay us to do. And then the result is there. And then more people come. Oh, it's it's so good because everything I'm listening to you and it's about them and it's not about you. And when most people are doing things, it's really for themselves. Right. And yet when you give, I think that that's why more people see that. And then you help elevate them. And ultimately you end up getting to help more people. <laughs> that's it's, what it comes down it, to. It's the opposite of what people think. You know, when you think of goal setting, mm-hmm. I don't do goal setting with my athletes. I do goal getting. Uh, because anybody can set a goal. You can set a goal all day long. But if you want to get a goal, there's a different process and a different conversation. And it means that you have to not be all about you. The athletes, as soon as I start working with them, we find a higher purpose. There's sometimes where they are coaching, volunteering, maybe they're volunteering at a hospital, maybe they're babysitting somebody's child, but there has to be some sort of contribution or that energy gets stuck and it becomes quite self-centered. And the more self-centered you get for me is it, as an athlete, the more brittle you become and the, the physicality can't go. So that energy that can flow through you when you're contributing. My mama was said, you have to have a coach and you have to have a coach and you have to have uh, an apprentice. In your, and I, I stay in the middle. So I always have a coach and I always have an apprentice. So yes, I'm a mentor in some areas, I'm a coach, but if I'm not contributing on the other side, that energy doesn't flow through me. So I become brittle and I become self-centered and selfish and and somewhat of a fraud because I have to coach who I am. And if I'm going to coach who I am, I have to be true to those values. Yes. Amen to all of that. (laughs) Absolutely. Everything you're saying, I, I just buy into all of it. I believe it. I experienced it as a gold medalist. And you know, that I, I think like, that's why I get really frustrated when I see athletes who I feel like are very selfish and they only care about what happened with them and they don't appreciate their teammates because I was all about the team. And obviously I wanted to do well, but I was so protective of the team and what mattered to the team most. It was we above me. And, you know, even in, in ice dancing, it sounds like, you know, you still have to have that type of mentality. Um, what are you doing now? Obviously, you said you have this academy, but you're also the CEO of Skate Tech Group of Companies. Is that the same thing? Is there anything different that you're doing as well? Well, that's a big picture vision. So Skate Tech Global, Skate Tech Group of Company is a consortium of three companies that I'm ownership in. So Pro Skate, which is a retail, high-end retail figure skating and hockey store. Then there's Skating Success Incorporated, which is a high-end masterclass figure skating performance um, delivery. And then there's Quantum Speed High Performance Skating Systems, which is the delivery system for the what used to be called the Stephanie Hanlon Power Skating that got me to the Oilers. So there's figure skating, there's hockey, and then there's the retail component. And then what I bring to it is the mental and holistic side of it. So Skate Tech Group of Companies is the first consortium of on office, uh, on ice, off ice and mental training, including the equipment support. So when we come in and surround an athlete, wrap our arms around the athlete at Skate Tech Group of Companies, we're doing it in expertise in all areas. So that you're not, you know, chasing, you know, where's the best skates and where's this and where's the best mental performance coach? And I don't know who to talk to. And what about nutrition? And what about sports psychology? Well, we bring it all in house and then find the best people and try to match them for the best athlete. And so they have that best experience for themselves. So Skate Tech Group and Companies was started about 
gosh, about eight years ago. And we realized that those are businesses that my husband and I are both involved in. We have amazing partners that run them for us in that regard, but they get to earn a living doing what they love to do. And that was my commitment when it came to creating Skate Tech is that I coaches are still selling their time by the hour. And I'm like, dude, this is your calling. Create a career, a career out of it. Find a way. Well, you can't do that. I have to work from nine to five. And then I coach in the evenings and I volunteer. I go, that's so noble. I love that. But if this is your calling, take a stand. The world needs you. The athletes need you. And yes, it's hard. <laughs> Sometimes you're not going to make a whole lot of money at the beginning, but if it's your calling, you will find a way to make money. And that's what I did. Um, Patrick and I, my husband said, okay, this is what we have to do. We have to create an environment where people can do what they love to do and get well paid for it. Because if we're not being well paid and we're not setting ourselves up to, for success, then how do we set athletes up for success? Yeah, that's, that's I, when you're you're saying that I I think of um, a gentleman who trains my boys, my you know high school boys who are athletes who I know the impact that I had. I didn't get that type of training until I was in college, but they're in high school. Obviously, the world's a lot different now. Training is better and more available. But this um, you know gentleman played at um, I believe Minnesota, and then he it was in the NFL for a very very short time. But he had a passion to train athletes. After he got done, he loves the sport, but he loves you know helping athletes get better. And so out of his home, I mean, he worked a full-time job, but then he started slowly, but surely, you know, working with these athletes on the side, but ultimately with that goal to transform it and to be able to build out. And, and now, you know, he's, you know, training my sons at five in the morning before they go to school, they get up, they drive, you know, half an hour away and go train for the day. And so I love what you're saying is, is I believe in that. I believe he's called to do that. I see the impact it has on my boys and I'm glad for them to have examples. Yeah. They're physically training, training their bodies and trying to be better at their sports, but what they're getting as an example is, is bigger picture. I saw that in the people at, at the level that I was at. So I am so thankful for Brian Post, um, major media league CEO, who was able to meet you. How, how did you guys meet really quick before we go? Well, we met at the vault at the Patrick Bet David, uh, event. We were both in the CEO level and he ended up sitting right beside me and, uh, we were chatting. And the first thing he says, well, you got to meet Leah. I'm like, okay, here's my name and number and we'll see what happens. And we, yeah, we spent a couple of days together and, and, uh, had some laughs at the Patrick Bet David event and had a couple of glasses of wine and just one thing led to another. And he's just a great guy. I really appreciate that he brought me to you. Well, everything that you shared today, I mean, you really are the gold standard. You're living it out. You're helping other people to reach their gold standard by just that, like you mentioned, that level of excellence and and it's how you do everything. I, I really appreciate the fact that you talk about the holistic and the whole person, because for me, like I was able to be a three-time Olympic gold medalist, a three-time national champion, but I felt like I was able to do it the right way because I had coaches and leaders who saw that there were other people who, yeah, like they might've been beat up mentally and emotionally at times. Somehow they still found a way to perform, but it never got sustained. And I knew scars that people held on late into their lives, right? It sticks with you. Things that have been said, ways you've been treated and just that internal stuff, right? Physically, you're putting out the stuff in a great athlete, but I really enjoyed and had coaches who were positive, encouraging, who pushed me to be my best and set the standards so high but it was easy to do when I had that system put in place, which is what you, you know, you have put in place. So I just want to thank you and just, you know, say, how can people follow you, support you? Like, where can they find you? Well, 
the first place could be to go to the everydaymillionaire.ca and listen to the Mindset Matters podcast. My husband, Patrick, and I, everydaymillionaire.ca, and uh, you'll find the Mindset Matters podcast. They're short form, you know, 30, 35 minutes, and we talk about a topic and we go back and forth around the mindset involving those things. The other, it would be um, my work in pro- progress website, stephaniehanlon.com. And the other would be quantumspeed.ca. Quantumspeed.ca is the hockey development program that is the first academy that provides on and off ice and mental training for high-end hockey players. That's so great. Thank you again so much for being on the show today. What an honor. Thank and you so much. So- so thanks guys for listening again. Stephanie Hanlon, she spells it a little differently. It's S-T-E-F-F-A-N-Y-H-A-N-L-E-N.com. And so check her out. I know that you are going to be encouraged and inspired by everything she's sharing. And we appreciate you guys listening to the Gold Standard Podcast. We'll see you here next time. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Gold Standard Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. You can post on social media and tag at Leah20USA or use hashtag gold standard podcast. Make sure you also subscribe so you get notified each week as a new episode releases. You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We appreciate your reviews as they help encourage others to listen in. Until next time, live out the gold standard and keep turning your goals into reality.